0: Just by the shot. He scores! The shot! He scores! He scores! He's three at all! There you go, he's got it. They score! Ivan Komarov! His first NHL tally! The Flyers win the Stanley Cup! The Flyers win Cup! You're listening to Getting Bullied, the podcast by Flyers fans for Flyers fans, with your host. Mark Giro. Now let's get started. And welcome in. This is getting bullied. Podcast partner of philiasflyers.com. Also featured on the hockeywriters.com. You can see us on iTunes and check us out on SoundCloud just search getting bullied today I am joined for a very in-depth discussion of the Flyers 2017 development camp by Philly is Flyer writer Dan Silver Dan what's up buddy
1: Mark man I'm doing great how are you
0: I'm good I'm a little sunburned I spent a little bit too much time on the beach on Sunday but I'm recovering well
1: yeah, you gotta keep putting on the layers of sunscreen. I mean you don't wanna mess around with that. As I get older, I, I figure out you really need you don't wanna you know, you don't wanna deal with the aftermath of getting really burnt.
0: Yeah, it's not good. But I'm dealing with it. And what helped was the You're uh, tough.
1: We're hockey guys, you know? Exactly. You be tough. Exactly.
0: Well, I I don't know how tough I am, but I, I'd like to consider myself a hockey guy. What helped actually, and I'm gonna put in this little plug, later on in the show where I'm gonna have uh an interview with Perry Bergson, who is the uh, WHL beat writer for the Brandon Sun up in Brandon, Manitoba. He's going to be talking about who else but Nolan Patrick. And also, I mixed in a little bit of Ivan Provorov, so I feel like uh, people are going to be digging on that. But what helped the sunburn, Dan, was the cooling sensation of the ice hockey rink at the Flyers Development Camp. That helped a lot. And I know you were down there as well. It was a good time.
1: Oh, it was great, yeah, and it is you know, I always have to remind myself it's ninety degrees outside. you gotta put on long pants and uh you know at least a collared shirt. It's cold in there, but it I is. love it. I mean it's the the tournament is my favorite part, and i last year I went. it was unbelievable uh this year even even more in the way of top prospects there. Uh, the way that hextall has been building this organization—that's just so many draft picks from all over the world. It's it's really exciting to see all these guys on the ice at the same time.
0: See, what was most amazing to me, other than obviously seeing all the prospects out there, like that was great. Obviously, that's what you're going to see, but it was the turnout of fans and how excited everybody was to just be there watching. 18 19 20 21 year olds just practice hockey i mean it wasn't even like really it wasn't even game situations for most of the time i don't know if you're going to get that anywhere else in the nhl where you're going to have these people these fans out there in the middle of july that just love the sport and just want to be around these young guys and watch them grow i think
1: it's all about the promise of what could be because what's amazing is that you're exactly right in the off season there's not a whole lot going on, but we've got this week, which is all about the prospects. Once the season starts, we could be in you know January the flyers could be maybe they've lost two in a row and now they're on the road against Ottawa, and I'm like, oh man, I don't know do I really want to watch the game tonight? It's probably going to be a boring game whereas now I'm like I need flyers hockey, I need something to happen what's going on I what's what's happening who did we sign we signed we signed scott lawton what's what's the what's the latest and it's like the nice. off season there's there's not as much news, and then you combine that with getting to see these prospects, and I think it just raises the excitement level because we're sort of like on uh, hockey withdrawal. So we'll take anything we can get, but the prospects camp is unbelievable. So it's like the perfect storm of excitement for hockey-starved people in the summer.
0: Well, it's the typical uh, "you don't know what you got till it's gone" mentality. You don't know how much you love the. You know, I mean, you know how much you love the sport, but you don't know how much you're gonna miss it until you know, the playoffs are over and there's nothing going on. And now we're going to hit even more of a downside because the development camp's over, free agency's over, the draft is over. So we're not going to hit any anything new, anything exciting, anything to really talk about of some substance until training camp starts. And that's, what, late September we're going to get that?
1: Yeah, we're going to be speculating on uh, things like, is Ron Hextall going to trade Matt Reed or Michael Raffle or Dale Weiss? How's he going to, you know, free up the log jam of the bottom six forwards or at least the bottom three now? I mean, our top nine is unbelievable. But, um, you know, about uh, how's Nolan Patrick's recovery going? I mean, it's all of the very small things that we might not even notice during the season that now there's that hypersensitivity to any news and information coming out. So it is going to be a long rest of the time until training camp begins, but uh, it's, it's going to be fun.
0: So here's what I wanted to do today. Um, I figure the easiest way to do this, the best way to do it, and to be fair to all of the great prospects we saw was or is to just kind of go position by position. I have broken it up into four groups, obviously the goalies, the defensemen, um, forwards, actually five groups, forwards, new draft picks, and uh, just prospects in general, like the prospects that we've already had, like the Mike Vecchionis, the uh and got I don't know if you call Lindblom and all you know a prospect we've already had but kind of guys that are just you know a little bit home more homegrown I guess you will so we'll start with the goalies I'll let you lead off obviously the two big names Carter Hart Felix Sandstrom who who impressed did anyone either of those stand out more to you than the other
1: yeah, I mean, look, and, you know, I, uh, I wrote an article for uh, phileasflyer.com, talked about the development camp, lots of videos, talked about, you know, a lot of these players, uh, and I'm going to try and get as in-depth here with you as we talked about there you look at the goalies and you're, you're exactly right. Carter Hart and Felix Sandstrom are the two guys that get all the attention, deservedly so. I mean, you've got Stolars and Lyon who are too old for development camp, so they're not in it anymore. Carter Hart and Felix Sandstrom are two of the best goaltending prospects in the world. Definitely two of the top five. Uh, most people rank Carter Hart slightly above Sandstrom in terms of ceiling, projectability, I'm actually in the minority of folks who thinks that Felix Sandstrom is ultimately going to be a better NHL goalie. Let me, let me Hmm. explain that a little bit. And obviously it's not, it's not a, a science. Um, it's, it's some of my opinions, but, um, Carter Hart's been playing the last few years in the WHL, which is statistically the most watered down of the three Canadian junior leagues. So not only is he playing against, um, players of his own age, which is fine, but he's playing you know against a lot of teams in the WHL that are not as potent as some of the teams in the Ontario League or the Quebec League. That being said, he's been phenomenal. He's the two-time WHL goaltender of the year. Last year, he was the goalie of the year in the entire Canadian Hockey League system. Uh, he probably should have won it again this year, but they probably didn't want to give it to him two years in a row. He's phenomenal. Um, his positioning is tremendous. Uh, he's You know, there's just not a lot, there's not a lot not to like about him. Felix Sandstrom has been playing against men, against professionals, older players in the Swedish Hockey League with Brightest, the same team that Oskar Lindblom is on. Uh, His statistics uh, have not been as good as Carter Hart, but I think that that's understandable, given that he's playing against 27, 28, 29-year-olds. The Swedish Hockey League is generally thought of as the third best league in the world behind the NHL and the KHL. Uh, So it's supposed to be, you know, about on par with the AHL. Uh, Sandstrom, to me, when I watch him, he just seems like he eats up a little bit more of the net than Carter Hart. Yeah, Uh, definitely. So I've seen them on the same ice surface three times. I saw them last year in development camp, where I actually wasn't blown away by either of them, but they were very young at the time. I thought that Sandstrom was – a little bit better than Carter Hart last year's three-on-three tournament. Alex Lyon actually was the best goalie in last year's development camp to me. Uh, but obviously, he's he's four years older than those guys. So last year, I thought Sandstrom was better. Now, you look at the World Junior Championships this year, and uh, Sandstrom outplayed Carter Hart by a mile. Sandstrom won goalie of the tournament. Uh, Carter Hart, meanwhile didn't even really cement the starting job for Canada. He sort of got to play in the finals against the USA by default uh, because the other goalie on Team Canada also wasn't playing very well. They were kind of alternating games. So Sandstrom was better in the World Juniors. Now, in the development camp tournament that, that uh, you know, I was at this week, Sandstrom was absolutely unbelievable. He was so good... Uh, in the finals against Team White. It was basically Team White was the Russians and the, a lot of the Swedes. Um, and they, they dominated every game that I saw. That game went to overtime, 1-1, solely because of Felix Anstrom. He stopped almost every single puck that came his way. He was basically a black hole in net. Carter Hart made a couple really nice saves, but he also let in some weak goals. Now listen, I'm not going to take development camp, uh, t- you know, tournament as the be-all, end-all for which one of these goalies is better. That would be completely foolish. But there's something to be said for the fact that these three guys have been on the same stage three times now, including the World Juniors, and all three of those times, I thought Sandstrom was the better goaltender. I think both these guys have incredibly high upsides, uh, but I just Sandstrom just seems to me a little more solid. Uh, Carter Hart, when he steps up in competition, just doesn't seem to play as well. I think it's a shame that he's going to be in the WHL again for one more year. Obviously, he can hone his game. He can sharpen it up. But listen, we all know he's going to dominate again. I mean, no one doesn't expect Carter Hart to be the WHL goalie of the year again. So I don't think we're going to find out more about Carter Hart until he's in the AHL. You could certainly sort of say the same thing for Sandstrom. He's decided to stay in the Swedish Hockey League for another season. And... Um... I think that he's probably going to get a little bit more playing time uh, this season than he did last season. He kind of split time last year. But uh, I I like Sandstrom a little bit more. I don't know. What's your take on it?
0: Well, I I mean, I I wasn't lucky enough. I mean, I I didn't have the availability like you did to go to this three-on-three tournament. So I was there Friday and Saturday. Friday, I only was there for the goalie uh, practice. And lucky enough, it was – Hart and Sandstrom were the ones on the ice. What I saw in Carter Hart was he's his size obviously isn't as good as Felix Sandstrom's, but I feel like just overall for me watching the coaches work with the goalies individually because they had you know one guy was on either end of the ice, the coaches seem to spend a lot more time with Sandstrom, you know, tweaking different things and. Adjusting, you know, his positioning in the net than they did with Carter Hart. I'm not saying that. I'm not taking too much stock in that, but you know, it all, it would it would appear that they at least think that Carter Hart has less to work on with his overall game. They did a lot of uh, drills where they were they had four guys crashing the net, and it seemed that Sandstrom got a little bit more flustered, where Carter Hart kind of stood stood a little bit more tall and you know kept his crease well and was able to focus on the puck and didn't didn't seem to get flustered too well what i also noticed about carter hart he doesn't give up many rebounds from what i saw um again when they were crashing at him they would take one shot from the point and a lot of the times he would just eat it up and the play would just be blown dead and i know that was as we all know that was a big problem with steve mason last year where you know, he it seemed like he was coughing up rebounds left and right. So I feel like Carter Hart has a little bit more puck control right now. But the bottom line is they both are still so raw in their development as goalies at the professional level. And I don't know how much it helps either of them to go back to the leagues that they were with last year because you hit, I believe, in your development, and this isn't just with them it's just true in pretty much all sports you're going to hit a plateau eventually if you're not playing up against better competition than you were the year before or you know you get used to it you kind of pick up on certain tendencies of players that you've seen before so i think it would have helped and i don't there obviously there's no there's not enough room for both of them on the phantoms with Lyon and stolars and uh, there's like a goalie logjam right now so Hart and Sandstrom are the two odd men out, so they have to go back to where they were last year. And I, I think going down the line here, we we definitely need to see Hexall free up this logjam that's going on with the two guys in the pros, the two guys in the AHL, and the two guys you have, your two prospects. You They need to clear some space because these guys need to go up in the level. They need to develop their skills at a higher level against better players, like you said. And, until then, I don't, think, I don't know if we're going to get a true assessment of either of them to see who's going to be the better goalie in the, in the NHL going forward.
1: Yeah, I think that, uh, and look, it's not Carter Hart's fault that he he's basically has to play in the WHL. I think the right. big thing for him this year for me is going to be how he plays in the World Junior Championships, assuming that he makes Canada's team. You know, you can kind of forgive a small sample size. He didn't play all that great last year at the World Juniors. Maybe, you know, goalies are streaky. Maybe we just caught him at a bad time. You know, this year, he's going to be a year older. Um, I think that it's really important for him to have a good World Juniors. I think Sandstrom is uh, a year... He's a year older than Hart. I don't think he's eligible for the World Juniors Um uh, Could be mistaken, but I think that's the case. So, you know, I think... Uh, I think these guys are both going to have to kind of, you know, work on things themselves. One, one thing I want to touch on briefly is you mentioned the mechanics. You know, that's important, but I feel like when you get into a game, instincts take over. And, you know, like when playing hockey and soccer growing up, you know, there was a guy on my soccer team who could juggle the ball 100 straight times, uh, you know, by himself and do perfect volleys every time in practice it was terrible in games. His mechanics were phenomenal. Uh, but, you know, once you get in that game environment, it's totally different. Now, obviously, Hart and Sandstrom are both unbelievably talented in games. Uh, but it's one of the reasons that I like going to the three on three tournament as opposed to kind of like nitpicking the drills. Because I feel like when you've got that game pressure, uh, people react a little bit differently. Um, but, you know, with the goalie logjam, you know, I think, yeah, the Stolars and Lyon, they're going to have to figure out what they're doing with them this year. Both of those guys are coming off injuries at the end of the season. Stolars' injury, obviously, a little more serious. I believe he needed knee surgery. Uh, the Flyers have two goalies, Neuwerth and Elliott, that are expected to be on the team this year and, you know, presumably next year. So it is going to be interesting to see what happens with the goaltenders. They're probably going to have to, you know, trade one of Stollers or Lion, and one of those guys is going to have to get a chance in the NHL. You would assume, given Neuwirth's injury history and Elliot's age, that, uh, you know, one of those guys will be getting injured at some point during the season, and we'll get a chance to see whoever of Stoller's line is playing better.
0: See, here's the th- here's where we're really going to see Ron Hextall's chops as a general manager because we've seen him draft well. You know, uh, to me, he's made a couple of questionable signings. You know, he's made pretty good trades uh, these last couple of years, but this is one of his biggest tests that he's going to have to face: is what the hell he's going to do at goalie. I mean, and if anything, if anybody should know which of these guys is the best guy for this team going forward, it's Ron Hextall. You know, he's one of the best, he's one of the top two best goalies that ever played for the Flyers. He obviously knows the position well. So eventually he has to, you know, he kind of has this year to really look at things. And this is the year that he really has to dive into it and start making decisions on what he wants to do, because you can't leave these guys stagnant in, you know, Sandstrom in the Swedish League. Carter Hart's Hart's not going to be able to play in the uh, WHL forever, so eventually he's going to have to clear this up a bit, and it probably would have made sense at the end of the day to not sign Brian Elliott and to just let, uh, the hell, Anthony Stolarz and, uh, Alex Lyon battle it out for that other spot. And I know he wasn't that comfortable with it, but if you're telling me that we're going that this is a growing period, this is a transition period, then you have to start transitioning these players. You have to start seeing what you have. And the band aid in Brian Elliott isn't really gonna do much for you to see which one of these young guys can handle the pressures of playing in the NHL more than the other.
1: I think if Stolarz or Lyon had been better this year, I think then potentially Hextall would have gone down that route. You know, you're looking at a team that, that quite honestly, it's a very competitive Eastern Conference, but the Flyers should make the playoffs next year. And I don't think Hextall wanted to go into the season with Neuwirth, uh and an unproven young goalie on their team. I mean, it's, again, which, again, raises the question mark of, Why the hell did they sign Neuwirth to that extension? I was convinced it was because Vegas was going to take him in the expansion draft. That didn't happen. So, you know, the organization clearly didn't love Mason. Um, And the the Elliott contract is great. It's only two years. It's not that expensive. I think, look, I think next year, uh, Sandstrom will be coming over from Sweden almost assuredly. And Carter Hart will be in the AHL. So next year you might see Carter Hart and Sandstrom in the AHL. Heck, next year, you know, I don't know. You could see if one of those guys is phenomenal in training camp. Next season, one of them could be the backup of the NHL. I think it's a little far-fetched, but it's possible. So I think the good news is that we have so many young goalies that there are going to be options. Um, I think Hextall's challenge is going to be next year, if some of these young kids are ready, what's he going to do with Neuwerth or Elliott? I guess he could buy one of them out. But, you know, I, I... you know, I if, if Lion or Solars had been a lot better this year, I definitely would have agreed with you. Have one of those guys as the backup. But I I don't think they are comfortable with Neuworth and one of those guys coming off the seasons they had.
0: Well, best case scenario would be one of those guys plays well enough this year, um to raise some eyebrows, and at the same time, a guy you know, either one, most likely Neuwerth plays well enough at the NHL level that once you get around the deadline and teams looking for a goalie, you make a move then and you bring up the young guy mid-season. But that—that all—I mean, that's a little—that's a little down the line. But and it kind of all depends on a where the Flyers are as a team at that point. If they're, you know, trying to fight, if they're fighting for a playoff spot, I don't see that move being made to shake it up. But if they're a little bit further out of it, but you know, Norber Neuwer, is still playing well, it's just the team around him isn't, and a team's looking for a goalie. I don't see any reason why that move wouldn't be made.
1: Yeah, it it could happen if one of those guys is playing really well. Um, it certainly could be the case. We'll see. I mean, it seems like a lot of the NHL teams have shored up their goaltending this yeah. off season, so I think the bigger question mark is going to be who out there is going to you know going to need one of those guys. Um, and I guess that remains
0: to be seen. Yeah, I mean who knows once again the flyers goalie carousel consin- continues to <laughs> spin and spin and spin
1: well at least we've got a bright future i mean they took that Ustamenko in the third round this year he looks pretty solid so you'd have to think that one of these young kids is going is going to become a star
0: you'd like to think so but you know who who the hell knows only only time will tell and you know we're just going to we're going to hang on every on every save that these guys make i want exactly. to shift gears here and I want to look at the defenseman okay. and I have to gush a little bit. Go ahead. I heard indulge about yourself. This... <laughs> What's what you say?
1: I said, indulge yourself.
0: I'm going to, because I heard yes. about this guy. Um, I heard how good he was, but I hadn't actually seen him play. And again, this is development camp. These are just drills, but you talking about
1: Andrew McDonald.
0: Uh, surprisingly, no, I I think okay. he's, I think, he missed the cutoff by a year or two. Got it, got it. yeah, okay. yeah, no, not Andrew McDonald, but um Philip Myers impressed the hell out of me at this development camp. they what I liked about the drills they were doing, they were doing a lot of one on one type stuff, you know, putting up a forward against a defenseman, throwing the puck in the corner, and saying, "Go fight for it again and I people are going to get on me about this if I, if I don't just cut it off right here. I understand these are just drills. I understand this isn't a game situation. But I went back and I watched games of Philip Myers after I saw him in these drills because I said, there's something here with this guy. And there is. He's really good. He's a big body. He moves his feet well. He just knows what he's doing on the defensive side of the game. He doesn't give players that he's going against an inch. He smothers them. He's his stick is so active. He's always trying to poke the uh poke the puck away. He just, he doesn't give up. He doesn't give up until the play is done. And I love that about him. He's six five, one ninety six, which doesn't sound big until you see him on skates and you're two feet away from him and you're like, Wow, that's a big human. And I fell in love with Philip Myers over the weekend and I I don't know that's I'm seeing a lot of articles out there people saying that he's got a real shot at making the uh, making the pro roster but I don't see that happening just because there's guys that are a little bit further down in the development than him Moren and here's what a Twitter follower actually told me uh, it's not Hag it's not Hag it's Heg. that's what the Swedes pronounce it that's how the Swedes pronounce it so, heg, heg. That's what that's what I was told this okay. morning. This morning on uh, Twitter. I don't know how true it is.
1: Well, there you go. Was it told to you by a Swedish person?
0: Well, he says he's from overseas. He says he's okay. going to spread the word about the show overseas. Let me see.
1: Well, that's good. We could use some overseas listenership.
0: Oh, uh, look, we're very Swedish friendly on this show. That's what we are. a Very
1: uh... Swedish friendly show. That is absolutely true.
0: Peter Forsberg is my favorite Swede, but...
1: Yeah, he's great. I actually compared one of the Flyers at Development Camp to Peter Forsberg in uh, my article, so I'll talk about that in a little bit.
0: All right. Um, Well, this guy's name is Andreas Skogmo.
1: Okay. You know, the highlight for me is that Felix Sandstrom's dad follows me on Twitter, and uh, he retweets all of my gushing comments about Felix Sandstrom. I think that's pretty cool.
0: You should see if Felix Sandstrom's dad wants to uh, speak – if he speaks enough English to do a phone interview with the show.
1: Yeah, that would be awesome. I'm somehow doubting that he uh, speaks much English, but, but, uh, yeah. We'll we'll find an interpreter
0: for him. Yeah, I ranked –
1: I I basically – I thought Sandstrom was the most impressive player in the development camp, including defensemen and goalies. So um, that's how impressed I was with him. I think um,
0: Philip Myers was the most um, impressive. That's just, that's he, just was, me. he
1: was. He was Philip Myers was third on my list, so I I will join you. talking about Phil Myers, he, he's an ex, extremely smooth and um, intuitive defenseman. It's amazing he wasn't drafted. Um, but it is the the thing that stands out the most to me about Myers is he does everything well. He's a very good skater. He's a very good passer. Uh, he's got a pretty good shot. Not the best shot in the world, but uh, a pretty good shot. He's very good in his own zone. I hear a lot of people talking about, oh, Myers is one of our offensive defenseman prospects. No, he's very good in his own zone. You talk about he he put on some weight. Uh, there were some of those photos they had of these guys showing up to the development camp. He looked absolutely ripped. He looked like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger definition. Hmm. Um, he, the one thing also that I think is important to note is that Sam Moran and Travis Sandheim were both on the Canadian World Junior Championships teams in their respective uh, final year of eligibility. Moran was a seventh defenseman, didn't play that much. Sandheim actually should have played more, but they didn't use him that much. He was used kind of as a fifth, sixth defenseman. Phil Myers was on the top pair with Thomas Shabbat. And that is saying a lot to be on Canada's top pairing in the World Juniors. Unfortunately, he took a dirty high hit from Luke Koonin, uh Minnesota Wild first-round pick, and he was knocked out of the tournament with a concussion, his second of the year, which is, that's my concern with Phil Myers, is he's had two concussions this year. But he's terrific, and I thought he was phenomenal in camp, uh, great in the tournament. He was the rock behind t- <clears throat> Team Black who lost in the finals to Team White. Myers was very good carrying that team uh, on his shoulders. I thought that Travis Sandheim... I think Sandheim's a little bit more along in his development than Myers. So he was the most impressive non-goalie in camp to me, Travis Sandheim. I talked about Peter Forsberg comparisons. When you watch Travis Sandheim skate, it reminds me of Peter Forsberg.
0: I saw your tweet about this.
1: Yeah, you see... And it's it actually started when I was a couple years ago, I was compiling video clips for a YouTube video I did on Ghost before he made the NHL, uh, Sanheim and Provorov. So I put together a videotape on those guys and I was watching a lot of Sandheim highlights. There was a shift in the offensive zone when he was in the WHL with Calgary. He must have circled around the perimeter of the zone twice, making moves around everyone, (laughs) setting people up, getting the puck back after that guy missed a shot, making another move around someone, and setting up another guy for a great scoring opportunity. He looked like Peter Forsberg skating around the offensive zone. He did the same thing this year. Uh, in a game in the AHL with the Phantoms, where he walked the blue line, took it in around behind the net, skated around another guy, and he, he skates like Peter Forsberg. He's, his, he's extremely fast. He's extremely smooth. He is great going north, south, or east, west. He's, he's the best skater of any of the Flyers' defensemen, including Provorov. Provorov's technique is a little better, but Sanheim is a faster skater. Uh, they're both very smooth. Sandheim's a phenomenal passer. I think his big question mark was, I never, th- <clears throat> I never thought Phil Myers was a defensive liability. Sandheim, when I was watching him in the WHL, definitely had defensive liabilities. Last year with the Phantoms, he actually improved on those. He's level from the WHL to the AHL, and I thought his defense got better, especially down the, the stretch in the second half. I went to the Phantoms, a couple of the Phantoms playoff games this year. People talk about Sam Moran and Robert Haig being the next guys in line. I'll tell you this. Travis Sanheim right now is a much better defenseman than either of those players. Yeah. So look, if the Flyers want to, to give Hag or Haig and Morant the first opportunity to make the roster, that's fine. But Travis Sanheim should be on the Flyers if those guys are on the Flyers because he will add more to the team and he's ready and he knows it. He played so confidently in this year's development camp, he, he was basically the guy out there that everyone was looking to for what to do, who to follow. Um, what, this is a very minor thing, but I think it made an impression with me. He actually dropped the puck for the faceoff for the championship between Team White and Team Black. It, he was the guy that did that. He's, right. He was kind of like the leader at this year's development camp. I think he's ready to make the flyers. He was the most impressive non goalie to me at the camp, and I think that I think Travis Sandheim is going to be a absolutely phenomenal NHL defenseman, as as, along with Phil Myers. I think he's also going to be great.
0: Well, the problem with the with with what's going on with defenseman right now is you have a very big contract for a very underachieving number forty seven on the blue line. So that's. If you're looking for a guy to blame if Travis Sandheim doesn't make it to the NHL this year to start, at least I think you look no further than uh number 47. I think that's what we'll just how that how we we'll refer to him for now on is just 47. I don't think we deserve he doesn't deserve his name to be said any more than it already is.
1: I'm still trying to get over the fact that he played the second most minutes on the team last year behind Provorov. So look, they clearly think he's a pretty good defenseman. He's not awful, but the contract makes him awful. Right. So, you know, th- listen, in the long run, if they stay healthy, Sanheim and Myers are definitely going to be on the team, um, along with Gudis, Provorov, Ghost, and one of Marea Hag, most likely. Now you've got me pronouncing his name every- different every single time I say it. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, ultimately they'll do something with him. And ultimately Sandheim and Myers will be on the team. It would just be nice if Hexdal came out and said that the team is going to be made up of the best players, yeah. well, if that's the if that is actually the case, then Sandheim will certainly be on the roster, and Phil Myers could too.
0: That'd be great. A little sidebar on uh Phil Ooh, Myers. Ooh, sidebar. Yeah,
1: they well, love sidebars in Sweden.
0: They do. I've heard about appealing that. Appealing
1: to the Swedish audience.
0: They love Swedish or Swiss chocolate sidebars, uh, yes. particularly. In 2013, Philip Myers, uh, do you know what team he played for in 2013? This is Midget Triple A.
1: Midget Triple A? Yeah. I, I, I do not know what team Myers played for.
0: He played for the Moncton Flyers. Really? Yes. Wow.
1: Look at you pulling out those, uh, <laughs> tidbits.
0: So to me, that, that was, that's, a. Uh, that's a fate. That's that's a match made in heaven. That's fate right there. He's going to be on this team. Mark it down. I'm going to tell you it right now, Philip Myers will be on this team by the end of this season. He may not start, but by he may not start okay. on this on the roster. But by the end of the season, he will be up.
1: Here's one thing though. Since we're on pronunciations, Are you, I thought it was Philippe because he's French Canadian or whatever. Maybe it's, it's Philip. I have no. I have no idea. I think we should just call him Phil.
0: Yeah. What do you think? Well. It's spelled P H I L I P P E. That's Philippe. Yes, as far as I'm yeah. concerned. But so yeah, we'll just go Phil. Why don't Phil we go Phil? Fire. Phil Myers, good guy.
1: Yeah, Phil Myers. He former, sounds like a you know like a good old American boy, even though he's not. But. Sounds
0: like a used car salesman.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Former Moncton Flyer Phil Myers. So, of the uh, 2017 draft picks. There was a a lot of them, and um, I put a video out of Morgan Frost. This is another drill, uh, another battle in the corner type thing. It got a lot of play on Twitter. I put it out on on the show's Twitter. It got, like, 200 likes and 60 retweets, and it really displayed how fast this kid actually is. Um, Yeah. And how smart he is! Because as soon as the puck hit the corner, the first thing he did was lift the defenseman's stick and he grabbed the puck, and then he just took off from there. Uh, the defenseman, David Drake, I think his name was. You know, he fell on the ice, and then uh, Frost put it on like top shelf right corner. It was great. Everyone went. Why? Yeah, I, I,
1: I saw it. I'm watching your videos.
0: Yeah, all right, good. Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Play- the players on the ice loved it. Their reaction was priceless. But you don't you don't get a feel of how fast this kid is until you actually watch him on the ice. You actually watch him with the puck. How shifty he is with the puck. How just elusive he is. You know he he uses. You know a lot of people would think a lack of size as a, compared to other people that he's playing with would be an issue, but it's not. You know he uses his size to his advantage to just make people miss. And they just be elusive out there. And he's like a little—he's like a little mouse. He's like the chicken in Rocky. You just can't catch him. You get close, <laughs> but once you get—once you think you got him, he slips out and he's gone. So Morgan Frost, as far as the draft picks go, far and away exceeded my expectations of him because I've—I—I I, I heard he was fast, but seeing him on the ice. With the puck is a completely different thing. It, it you can't put you can't put words into it.
1: Morgan Frost, he was phenomenal. I had him as actually the fifth best player in the tournament, and he it's funny he had two strikes against him starting out. The first was that he you know he was used with a pick that we got by trading away Braden Shen, who a lot of Flyers fans really love. So a lot of Flyers fans were like, oh my God, we traded Braden Braden Shen, we got two first round picks, who knows if they're going to turn out, and we took this kid, Morgan Frost, who most of the scouts had, you know, in the 40s, right? Hextall came out and said, he's the one guy that all of our scouts agreed on. We all loved him. And then the other thing, which I don't even know if I, I, I want to mention, but I guess, you know... They found this tweet that he made when he was 13 years old when he was wa- when he was watching one of the old Flyers games where I think uh, one of our goalies beat the piss out of someone from the Caps or the Leafs or something. Oh, it was, and, probably, uh,
0: was it was it Ray Emery when he beat the hell out of yes. Braden Holtby?
1: yeah it was Ray Emery, and I guess you know thirteen year old Morgan Frost is watching that, and he tweets out like the flyers are trash, so of course, flyers fans are going through his Twitter, they find that, they start tormenting him about it. Hey, I love it I don't know I don't want people to see what I was tweeting when I was thirteen or whatever, yeah. but anyway, so he has two strikes against him, so I started watching video of him, so this is, and I mentioned this in my article. this will a annoy flyers fans, probably, and b make Penguins fans irate. But when I watch him play, and I'm not I am not making the talent comparison because the talent level is not close. But the oh, way God. that he skates, the way that he stick handles in traffic, the way that he surveys the ice, the way that he makes plays, reminds me of Sidney Crosby. Oh. He is not as he, he, yep. he is not as he is not as good as Sidney Crosby. However, you watch him skate, <laughs> he looks like Sidney Crosby. So, I am going to make the comparison that I think Morgan Frost is sort of like a mini Sidney Crosby. It will yet to be determined if he complains as much as Crosby did early on in his career. but I think he looks like Crosby. He was great in the tournament he He wanted the puck on his stick, which I love to see in tournaments like that. He made a number of great plays. Uh, one of the videos that I posted uh, on Twitter and also in my article was a play where he basically went. Back in his own zone with Oscar Lindblom on him. He shook Lindblom and he made an unbelievable backhand pass through three players to a teammate right in front of the net who buried the uh, the goal behind Carter Hart. It was unbelievable. I really like Morgan Frost. I think that the Salt St. Marie Greyhounds, is he on Salt? No, was he on Salt St. Marie? Uh, I think he was. He's not coming. But the team that he's on is absolutely loaded up front. I think he's gonna have a big offensive year, and I really like Morgan Frost. I, I I agree. I was really impressed with him. His acceleration is top notch. Uh he was great. You know?
0: What I hate is I, I don't want to rush time. I don't want to get any older than I you know, any faster than I already am. But when I'm seeing all these guys and you know you, you get excited you start watching videos and you're looking up stats and everything and you're just like I want all of this to happen now. I want I wanted it to just be like four years from now when all these guys are up and they're all playing together. That would oh, be great. Oh my god. But I don't want to be would... 4 years older in in yeah. the course of a summer. I
1: know. And so, so briefly the just my real quick thoughts on some of the other guys from this year's draft. Obviously Nolan Patrick had the surgery on uh, June 13th. So he was out, he's going to be back on the ice soon. It sounds like,
0: yeah. um, he was at the trial. Ratcliffe,
1: um, yeah, he was at the trial on the aisle today. I saw some of those photos, uh, Ratcliffe. Um, by the way, Snapchat, I believe that Nolan Patrick and Carter Hart took over the flyers Snapchat the last few days. They did some good work. So if you don't follow the flyers on Snapchat, you should and watch some of the stuff from the past few days. Cause it's Carter Hart and Nolan Patrick. Mm. Um, but, uh, Uh, Ratcliffe, the big, what is he? Six, six winger. Um, he's a work in progress. You know, he's, Uh, his skills have not caught up to his size. I I didn't see a whole lot from him. Um, Matthew Strome, who many people thought was a steal in the fourth round. The three on three tournament is not really suited to his skill set at this point. I mean, he's, he he does have a really good shot, but his skating really needs work. Um, you know, I, I didn't see much out of him. You know what's funny? The guy that led the tournament in goals, the Flyers. Do you know who led the Flyers in goals in the uh, tournament?
0: I would have... No, I have no idea.
1: Ali Lixell, the Swedish kid that they took in the sixth round, I believe. You got uh, to love the sweets. The only thing that Flyers fans knew about him was his photo on EliteProspects.com looked like photo of a 10-year-old. T- a so... Uh, but he, he, he's grown up a little since then. He scored five goals. He led all players. He was on team orange. Uh, and he, I didn't think he really had any skills that totally stood out, but he scored five goals and he had a couple good shots that I saw. Uh, he's the, I think he's the youngest player in the camp. So that could be another mid round steal for the flyers. That kid Maxim Suchko, uh, I thought was pretty impressive. Um, He's from, I think he's from Belarus, and he's been playing in the with either the OHL or the Quebec League. I thought he was pretty good playing on Team White, aka Team Russia, which had all the Russians. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Morgan Frost was the guy who who really stood out to me from the draftees this year.
0: Yeah, he was great, and I agree with what you said on Ratcliffe. And I was, I liked the pick in him. Uh, Mostly because of his size, you know, you can't you can't beat a six. uh, You said six six. I think he's even taller than that. I think he's like six seven. He's big. Oh my god! Right. And when you see him in person, it's like otherworldly how big he is. But yeah, he definitely has a lot of holes in his game. He definitely has a lot to work on. But luckily, you know, he he has all the time in the world to do it because Ron Hextall loves being patient. Matthew Strome. I think uh, there was a report that he's still trying to skate to the blue line. So they're they're expecting him to reach it by the end of the week. So that's promising. It but sounds
1: like the horses that I bet on, they usually <laughs> they can't find them after the race. They're still somewhere out there on the track.
0: I saw a tweet somebody said something about I, they were doing some kind of drill and it's like yeah, everyone's just waiting for Matthew Stroom to reach the goal <laughs> line. It's ridiculous. And I, he I has a like, great shot though. He He does. I'll give him that, but I mean, if you can't get open, you can't get the shot off. So
1: well, give let's give him some time to work on it.
0: I I'd, I'd like to point out that I am now pro. I we said it earlier. I'm pro Sweden, so I'm going to order a Swedish hockey jersey, maybe a Peter Forsberg. But that's a, that's unrelated.
1: I thought you were going to get the Ali Lixell
0: jersey. If I could find it, I mean, he let he led the tournament in goals, so why not? He's Fire. obviously. He's obviously, you know, the next captain of the Flyers, so you may as well yeah. just buy into him now.
1: Yeah, I love it.
0: I'm not going to go into uh, this, though.
1: One other note from this year's group was this, and I'm probably going to get this name wrong, but it's something like Kosarenkov. Uh awesome the, He's name. a teammate of Pascal LaBerge's. Uh, he, they, they, they said if we'd had an eighth-round pick, we would have taken him. Of course, the draft's only seven rounds. So they invited him to the, the, uh, <clears throat> the development camp. He was playing on Team White, Team Russia. Everyone on Team Russia looked good to me. Um, He looked good too, though. So I won't be surprised if they uh, sign him to an entry-level contract, but we'll see.
0: I'd like to welcome now the Western Hockey League beat writer for the Brandon Sun, all the way from Brandon, Manitoba. His name is Perry Bergson. Perry, how are you? I'm great.
2: Nice Manitoba day here, nearly 90 degrees, so we get a good one.
0: Great. Yeah, it's probably about the same down here in Philly as well. So obviously, you know, uh, there's a lot of excitement here in Philadelphia about Nolan Patrick. Uh, The Flyers jumped up from 13 to 2, pretty luckily in the draft lottery. And uh, Nolan, luckily for the Flyers, fell down to him. So I'm sure you've spoken to Nolan since he's been drafted. How does he feel overall about being selected by the Flyers?
2: I really got the sense in Chicago I did attend the draft that uh Nolan was a, a little surprised that he dropped um you know he certainly had no ill will to Nico Herscher, who's a terrific hockey player, and the two became friends, but he seemed really pleased with going to philly he seemed like or he seemed to think that was a very good opportunity. He's of course good friends with his former teammate uh Ivan Provorov, who skated here in Brandon for two years. Ron Hextall is a Brandon guy who played with the Wheat Kings as well. So there's a lot of Brandon links to the Flyers. And uh, I I think that uh, Nolan is certainly cognizant of that. And I'm sure that he's going there hoping to earn a job in the fall.
0: So, yeah, I mean, for the longest time, for the most part in the offseason here, he was the consensus number one pick. And then it was about that last month before the draft actually took place that you saw all the mock drafts starting to come out where, uh, people were putting Nico Heischer above him. So how shocked were you that the Devils passed on Patrick and uh, took Nico instead?
2: I wouldn't say I was shocked at all. One of the things about being in the position where that Nolan was, where he was pretty much consensus number one for two years, is the scouts keep looking and looking and looking, and sometimes almost... They have too much time, and they start to pick flaws. And uh, in Nolan's case, of course, he had kind of a star year this year with the injury uh, and only playing, what was it, 33 games in Brandon this year. Um, so I think maybe some of the, the scouts forgot that 17-year-old year he had here that was so special for him, 102 points. He's the first week in 30 years to uh, earn more than 100 points as a 17-year-old. It was a phenomenal, phenomenal season, and he just – Never really uh, showed that form this year, but he was hurt. So I I don't think that's a big surprise. But I think the scouts did uh, maybe overlook that.
0: So, yeah, I mean, obviously he had a great season 2015, 2016. Um, He was hurt this past season, but still in 33 games managed 46 points. So, how much did the injury thing weigh on him mentally? Did that affect him a lot off the ice, or did he? kind of push that aside and just try to play through and control as much as he can control
2: well obviously he had the first surgery last summer uh so he came to camp not quite ready to go he missed the opening night came back the next night played a handful of games and then realized he just wasn't able to uh to keep going shut it down for three months Uh, he was in and out of Brandon, uh, you know, he'd be around the team sometimes, but he's also seen doctors in Toronto and Winnipeg. Uh, it was tough. You know, sometimes we forget that this is, you know, an 18 year old young man and, you know, there's a a long professional career ahead of him and obviously a lot of money potentially ahead for him too. So I think it was a stressful time as it would be. If you imagine any of us going through that as a teenager, it would be pretty awful. Um, but Nolan... (sighs) It's hard to read him sometimes. He's he's never a guy that's going to give you a lot of uh, bulletin board material to another team. He's pretty reserved and quiet with the media. Um, but uh, I've got to know him reasonably well over the last couple of years. Uh, I think he, he was just getting a little impatient by the end to come back.
0: So, obviously we know what type of player he is on the ice. He's phenomenal. His skill is second to none. But when it comes to Nolan Patrick, the teammate... What's he like in the locker room around his teammates? Is he kind of the shy, timid type, or is he more out in the open and trying to get everybody you know, ready to go for, for games?
2: I don't think that he's going to be a rah-rah leader. He was the captain of the Weekings last year, which was a tough year for it with only playing 33 games. I don't think that's the guy he is. But just watching uh, the kids together off the ice, you can tell that he's popular with his teammates. He's he's a well liked teammate. Um, you know, clearly he's a very very good player on that team. But there was never sort of any sense of him putting himself above anybody. And I think that'll serve him well when he goes to the next level. And of course, he's playing with players better than he is.
0: So you mentioned earlier, um, former Week king, current flyer Ivan Provorov. It's almost like the Flyers have a bit of their own uh, farm system up there in Brandon, with all the uh, all the players they pick off that tree. What kind of relationship did Nolan Patrick and Ivan Provorov have for that short time they played together?
2: Well, they would have played together for two seasons, um, but they—I was only on the beat for the second season. But, uh, you know, great players get along with great players. Um, now, I'm not privy to all it goes on in the dressing room. I don't know how close a friendship it is, but they had a lot of mutual respect. That was clear. Um, you know, Ivan was a special, special player. Uh, I was fairly certain that he was not coming back to Brandon this season. No, I was 99% certain he wasn't coming back. With Nolan, I'm a little more unclear just because of, you know, we'll see how far uh, the – Injuries have set him back the fact that he only did play 33 games this year, but I'm guessing that uh, no one really wants to play with Ivan again this year.
0: As far as uh, like your perspective, somebody that covers a team, um, and as far as the fans in brandon are concerned, how difficult is it year in and year out to have such talented players that you know get drafted to the NHL and you know guys that kind of are taken from you a little prematurely?
2: You know what, that's just the cycle of junior hockey. I remember a long time ago when uh, Wade Redden was drafted second overall and didn't play here. He, he came back and played his 17-year-old year, didn't play his 18-year-old year, went to Ottawa. That's just the way it is for junior hockey fans, and you know, it's not something that's unique to Brandon. Uh, every junior hockey market uh, goes through the same thing. Obviously, you'd love to see these kids play until they're 20, um, but that's just not the way it is. The, the best ones move on, and you know, then Brandon fans just watch them in the pros.
0: So of the two previously mentioned, Nolan Patrick, Ivan Provorov, if you had to pick one, well, who? let me put it this way, which of the two do you think has more of a promising NHL career going forward?
2: Holy smokes, you're getting me to make Sophie's choice here, aren't you? <laughs> um, well tell you what i'm going to come at this through the prism of my own self-interest as an old goalie a special defenseman is a special special thing right um, you know as the kind of players know it is and i'm not trying to throw shade on him it's just uh probie was something else when he was here just he was well he was the chl's defenseman of the year in his 18 year old season you know he's such a wonderful wonderful player um that would be my choice, but that's just a positional choice rather than a, maybe a player talent thing.
0: So if I mean now that Nolan's coming off this second surgery, uh, all indications are that things are going well. He's supposed to be back on the ice within the next week or two. If he could, if the injury thing is behind him, if he's healthy going into camp, what do you think his chances are of making the Flyers' main roster day one?
2: You know, I think when you get picked second overall, you're going to get a long, long look. Um, Nolan certainly has the talent to play at that level, I believe, just from what I've seen in the last two years. He is just such a special, special player, and you know, he's uh, so good in his own end, better than you're going to see from a lot of teenagers, although he's going to have to learn. He's probably going to have to refine that in the pros. I think that Nolan has the ability to be there, uh, whether... This last kind of year and a half Allows him to do that We'll see But you know it's instructive to remember He hurt himself in the Eastern Conference uh, Final In 2016 In game 4 against Red Deer That's when he thinks he he Twinched it for the first time The Wheat Kings lost that game that night And were leading the series 3-1 to one. And they came back to Brandon uh, Two nights later And Nolan Patrick had 5 points and they clinched the series, uh, so that was what he did just off the injury uh, you know he's a He's a tough kid. I just hope that fans don't judge him just on what they saw this year, just even in terms of him missing the playoffs this year. uh he got slew footed with two games left in the season and tweaked his knee. You know Does that mean the kid's injury prone? I don't think so. That seems like some bad luck to me.
0: Mm-hmm. So, as much good as we hear about him and his play on the ice, is there anything that stands out to you that he needs to work on a bit, Uh, something that needs to be refined a little bit, uh, especially in training camp with the Flyers?
2: I think that with every 18-year-old going to the NHL, they're going to have to get stronger, they're going to have to get faster, there's just going to have to be more situational awareness. Uh, The NHL game is played so fast now, and you're seeing that uh, coming down to junior but it's a whole nother level up there. So we'll see how he adapts to that. Um, you know, I think he can get faster. Everybody can improve. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but he's got the game. He's just so smart. That's the thing that I think Philadelphia fans will really notice about him is his hockey IQ is just off the charts. And that might be the thing that allows him to play at that level as a young man.
0: Well, Perry, I'm sure you can, uh, you can tell that Philadelphia is thrilled. That he fell to us at uh at number two. We can't wait for the season to get started. We just hope he's there. But I want to thank you, uh, everybody. Perry Bergson, WHL beat writer for the Brandon Sun. Perry, thank you so much. Thanks, man. So, biggest thing that he said was, um, first of all, I, I, I haven't. I don't know if I've gotten your. I know I did your thoughts on the drafting of Nolan Patrick, but what? What what were your what did you think when they uh, came out and said about the uh, most recent surgery he had before the draft?
1: I think ultimately it's a good thing because it sounds like that the problem he had was misdiagnosed and that the Brandon doctors didn't correctly determine what was wrong with him. He never got it fully corrected and he played the season with a situation in his abdominal wall. I'm not a doctor but sounds like in his abdominal wall that you know was not fixed and was was creating him pain he said it was like stabbing sensations it's from you know hockey players overuse i think i might have one of those by the way i still play hockey a lot and i you know i've got some pain down there i don't think it's worth getting uh i don't think it's worth getting the procedure done but you know just not for nothing but anyway i think <laughs> they sent him to the world's foremost expert on um, or he did it by himself cause he wasn't associated with a team on, you know, before the draft, right. but he went to the same surgeon that did the operations on Shane Gostas bear and Claude Giroux last summer. Uh, he's renowned for doing surgeries on football players like Adrian Peterson. Um, I forget the doctor's name, but, uh, it sounds like Nolan Patrick got it. I think his name is him.
0: Myers too. Really? I think his You're last just name all is Myers. Myers. on
1: this show. Huh? William Myers, I think. Dr. William Myers, I think is what so it is. So
0: Bill Myers, him. Phil Myers. Oh, oh my
1: god, a lot of Myers. But nice. uh so he he sounds like he's going to be back on the ice soon. I think the Flyers, you know, they had listen, they had to take Nolan Patrick there. He's a phenomenal hockey player. He 2 years ago um Or I guess it was actually just a little over a year ago. He was so good in the WHL playoffs. I watched every game because I bought the package just to watch Ivan Provorov. And a side benefit was I got to watch Nolan Patrick, um, who was their best player in the playoffs. And this year, you you know, he he played very well. His points per game was right in line with it was the year before. I think that uh, I think Nolan Patrick's a phenomenal hockey player. I think he's probably the number one center of the future for the Flyers. I think that he'll most likely make the team. Uh, you know, for this coming season, and and look, the Flyers winning the lottery was a seven percent chance um, of of jumping into the top three, and a four point six percent chance of jump into the top two that actually happened, and can really change the face of this franchise, and it's it's exciting. I wish we would have got to see Nolan Patrick in the development camp, but I'm pretty sure he'll be raring to go come training camp.
0: Here's what keeps here's what stands out most to me about Nolan Patrick and this injury. And I agree, it's great that, you know, the surgery's done, it's over with, and now he could just recover, and the idiots up in Brandon misdiagnosed him, and luckily for the Flyers, it probably hurt him enough in the draft that he dropped out in one spot. But, what, what I keep thinking about, and I can't get out of my head, is the fact that this kid was playing with a hernia all season, and anybody that's ever had that, I haven't, but I've known people that have. And they talk about how bad that hurts, and to play at such a high level in a in a contact sport like he does, and to play it well, he's still averaged over a point a game in in a very small sample size, granted, but still, and you think about a the will that that takes to play through that pain and play that well, and b You can't help but think, what would he have done if he was 100% healthy and he played in all the games that Brandon had last year? That alone, to me, says all you need to know about this kid and his will to play the game, his drive. And he's obviously got a good head on his shoulders. A lot of people, you know, you're 19 years old and you get hurt and you just kind of, you know, you might shell up a little bit. You, You shy away, but, you know, he still played his game as as best as he possibly could, and he still impressed all of the experts, all of the draft guys, all of the teams enough that he was still the second overall pick in the draft, and I think that speaks so well to the type of guy that Nolan Patrick is, both on the ice and off the ice. I want to bring up this point that Perry brought up. I asked him the question, and I want to get your thoughts on it. I asked him, obviously, what... Uh, out of the two, out of Proveroff and out of uh, Nolan Patrick, who he thought had the better NHL career ahead of him. And, you know, he had the little bias. He used to be a goalie, so he said, you know, defensemen are, a great defenseman is irrep- you know irreplaceable, more or less. So he went with Proveroff. What do you think? Out of the two, it's very early in both their careers, but if you had to pick one, gun to your head, who's going to have the better NHL career? Well,
1: you, you have to say, I would, and listen, I love Ivan Provorov. I just picked up today at Michael's. I Last year, I ordered an Ivan Provorov jersey from the Brandon Wheat Kings. I got it signed by him last year at development camp, and I just got it framed for an ungodly amount of money, and it's up on my wall. Yeah, I saw and, that. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah.
0: Nice yeah, item. It's, it's
1: sweet. I, I love Ivan Provorov. But the reality of the, the reality is that franchise forwards can impact a game more than franchise defensemen. There's a reason that the the franchise players in the NHL are guys like Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, Evgeny Malkin, Austin Matthews. They just simply, the puck's on their stick more. They do things that lead to more goals. Um, I think having a number of tremendous defensemen like the Flyers are going to have is very advantageous. But Nolan Patrick is going to have more of a chance to directly impact the success of the Philadelphia Flyers than Ivan Provorov is. Um, You know, there's a reason that Provorov wasn't drafted until number seven, right? And why Nolan Patrick was not going to go any lower than two. So, as I said, you know, I watched the playoff run that Brandon had to the championship last year, and Provorov never did anything wrong in the playoffs. Phenomenal. But Nolan Patrick impacted their run more because the puck was on his stick more. Um, and so, you know, I'd say Nolan Patrick's going uh, to, the risk of course is that Patrick doesn't reach his potential, but if we're going if we assume that those guys reach their potentials, I think Nolan Patrick will have a greater impact on the Philadelphia Flyers than Provorov.
0: Yeah. I mean, and what I kept, what I kept hearing leading up to the draft was, you know, this is, this isn't the, you know, this isn't the draft where you're going to get an Austin Matthews or a Conor McDavid, you know, these guys the two top guys were good, but they weren't on their level. But and then I can't, and then you hear everybody break down Nolan Patrick. And I haven't heard much about Nico Heischer since the draft. Probably because, you know, now that he's been selected, I've just been focused so much on Nolan Patrick. But you hear all the great things everybody says about Patrick, and they he may not be the generational forward that McDavid and Austin Matthews may turn out to be he's certainly not Sidney Crosby but what you said he actually he absolutely can be and he can absolutely be the franchise forward he could, he's 100% without a doubt in my mind the guy that this team is going to drive behind it's not going to be for a couple of years but once you see at for the next 2 years I think they're they're still going to push heavy on Claude Giroux, because he's making all the money he is, because he's under such a long-term deal, that he's still going to be the guy for at least the next two years. But the older he gets, the more his game tails off, and that's, of course, assuming that they don't find a way to get rid of him within the next two years, which I think is completely possible. But you're going to start to see Austin Matthews really get implemented into that top line over these next two years, once they, you know, really see that this whole thing with Giroux isn't between his head. you talking about between,
1: Patrick. You said Matthews.
0: Oh uh, yeah, Patrick. I wish it was Matthews.
1: Right, right. I thought but, maybe we. I thought maybe we. I missed something. We traded for Austin Matthews. <laughs> <That'd be laughs> no, great. but I
0: think once the Flyers kind of figure out that this thing with Giroux was just him getting old and his his game just declining, you know, he had he had the whole thing with the injuries, and they thought that that was the reason it was it tailed off, and then last year. You know it didn't really get much better, so once they figure out that it's not Drew in between his ears in his head and it's not injuries and he's just getting old and he can't play at that top level anymore, Nolan Patrick's going to be the guy a lot quicker than I think I think people assume he's going to be
1: yeah no i I listen, I think it could definitely happen uh, he's 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 a franchise center he's going to have a better team behind him, especially. Defense and goaltending wise, than either Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews will be. So he doesn't have to be Austin Matthews. And he's, look, he's not going to be Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid is unbelievable. But he doesn't have to be Austin Matthews either uh, for the Flyers to be better than the Leafs because, you know, we have a lot more defense depth and we've got a lot of forwards too. And I can't wait to talk about the Russians.
0: You love your Russians. I do. You, I, I love do. my Swedes. You love your Russians. You're are you are you uh, are you Can coming I, out as a communist?
1: I I might be. After watching what Team Russia, aka Team White, did in the in the tournament, I may be going full Russia. I also, by the way, I watched. If anyone hasn't watched this movie, and if you haven't watched it, you got to the documentary that came out a couple years ago called Red Army. It is phenomenal.
0: I it's heard about, about the that.
1: Soviet. Russian Red Army team. It's focused on Vyacheslav Fatisov. There's all this backstory that I had no idea was going on. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's a, it's a great movie.
0: You wouldn't by chance be from Montclair, would you?
1: <laughs> no, no, I'm not from Montclair.
0: <laughs> According to Chris Christie, that's where the communists reside. I see, I see. <laughs> well...
1: I, we still have not talked about the f- the player who I enjoyed watching the most in the development camp.
0: Lay it on me. So,
1: I got to talk about German Rupsov.
0: There because you go. Another Russian. I
1: af- after, what'd you say? Another I said Russian. another Russian. Well, that's what I mean. After development camp, I I, I love German Rupsov. He, you watch him, and he plays with this enthusiasm level that is infectious. You're not supposed to hit people in, in the development camp. German Rupsov was kind of playing by the rules for a little while, and then he took a high stick during one of the games. He got pissed off. He went after Phil Myers. I don't even think it was Myers that I sticked him. He went after Carson Twerensky. I uploaded a video, and it's in my article of him going after Twerensky. Um, he also scored three goals. He had a number of assists. Even though he wasn't the oldest player on Team Russia, he was clearly the leader of that team. He was jawing with Phil Myers before the championship game began. I love up. He came over last year. He was being underutilized in the KHL. He got out of that contract, came over, signed with Chikatimi of the uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. He scored 20 points in 15 games. He scored a couple highlight reel goals. Um, I, his only issue has been staying healthy. But Rupsov is a great skater. He's a good stick handler. His compete level is through the roof. He's good defensively. I think that he's going to be a real heart and soul type of player that the Flyers fans are going to come to really love. He's actually AHL eligible next year because he was drafted out of Russia. But I think he'll probably spend another year in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. But he could be NHL ready in a few seasons. And I thought... He was absolutely phenomenal. I don't know if you, you know, he's maybe not a guy that would have stuck out during the drills, but he he was really good.
0: Yeah, that's that's the biggest. That's what I hate most about myself is that I wasn't able to go to this tournament because it's one thing to watch them, you know, doing drills, and it's a completely other to watch them actually play in game. So I'm gonna, I don't know, you know, we're not obviously we don't know yet who's going to be on the, you know, preseason roster, but I'm gonna try to get to as many of those games as Humanly possible, and I'd like to announce the uh, the start of the Philip Myers or Philippe Myers fan club, headed by me, president, CEO, treasurer, and uh, if Rupsoft takes any more shots at our boy Phil, (laughs) then we're gonna have problems, and we might have to get him. uh, We might have to get the Red Army to come after him.
1: I love the I love it. I love the competition. I love seeing these guys go at each other. I loved watching Team White because especially after watching that Red Army movie that basically you watch how these Soviets all play together. That's basically what I saw happen in the tournament. Another guy that was great, who this guy's probably the most unheralded of the Flyers prospects, especially for a guy that I think is a near lock to be on the Flyers, is Mikhail Vorobiev, um, He was a Flyers, I don't know, third or fourth round pick a couple of years ago. He's a big 6'3", two-way center. He plays a little bit like Sean Couturier. In the World Junior Championships, he scored zero goals, but he had 10 assists. He led the entire tournament in assists. He's a very good player. and that He's not the kind of guy you would expect to excel in a a three-on-three small ice tournament. And he didn't excel isn't the word I would use, but he was extremely impressive to me. Um, very good defensively. He made great passes. His The passes were always on the tape. I thought he was really good. So Rupsov and Vorobiev really impressed me. And Rupsov is a center, but he played some wing last year with Chikatimi. I would love to see in the future, maybe Vorobiev at center and Rupsov on the wing. And maybe we can find another Russian to play with them, to have a, you to. know the Russian line.
0: Well, uh, uh do the names, the names pretty much write themselves.
1: Oh yeah. Right. You just oh called the line. God. Can you imagine
0: you just called the line, the red army and that's it.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. It would be, it would be great. So we'll see what happens, but I love that there's all these Swedes, there's all these Russians to, to go with the, you know, the Canadians and the Americans, but this, the flyer scouting clearly has improved leaps and bounds in Sweden in Russia over the last few years, because, Oscar Lindblom is the guy that they took in the, I think the fifth round, either the fourth or fifth round. Mm-hmm. And he's clearly a front runner to make the flyers this season. He was pretty good in the tournament. Nothing spectacular, but he's, again, he's not the kind of guy that's going to wow you in a three on three tournament. He's very strong on the walls. You probably have more insight on on Lindblom from this, the, the, uh, um, from the, the drills. Cause I'm guessing that no one really could outwork him in the corners.
0: No, it was ridiculous. Seeing him battle guys so much bigger than him. He threw Phil Myers off of him at one point and grabbed the puck. I mean, of course, Phil recovered. Cause that's just what he does, but he's so strong on the puck. And if you watch him play, and I know, like you said, it's difficult to watch a three on three, but if you watch him playing an actual game, his vision on the ice is Oh, Other. Yeah. it's it's unreal he sees stuff that you, you like you don't even see watching it and you're seeing the whole ice in front of you and he sees it's like he has eyes on the back of his head on the side of his head it's ridiculous what he could do when he has the puck on his stick it's he's great I yeah I,
1: I got to watch a couple of the uh the brightest games in the playoffs this year in the swedish league and yeah like linblom i mean he was named top forward in the swedish league last year playing against uh, you know, playing against older guys, he had forty-seven points at fifty-two games. How about a line of Lindblom, Patrick, and Travis Konecny? What do you think why, of that? Why not? Let's just make it happen.
0: Yeah, you call it the toddler line.
1: It's, oh, my, that's hilarious! The toddler line. <laughs> that's great.
0: I could, uh, I could write headlines for, for the daily news if I wanted to. You could
1: probably they asked, better. than They, they, they
0: asked, do. I turned them down. Yeah, that I'd would rather,
1: be, a, oh, that would be a great line.
0: All right. Well, we could both agree that uh, we're obviously both very excited. Flyers Nation is very Let's excited. Let's get flyered up. Let's get flyered up. I we're all so excited. We can't wait for all these young guys to just, you know, to just. I can't wait for this whole thing to just start and get going. I'm so excited. You're so excited. The world is so excited, and it's gonna be a great run. But um. I think we've overstayed our welcome this week. I think people are probably tired, are going to be tired of hearing us. We talk. might have put some
1: people to sleep. It's okay.
0: Well, you know, as long as they're not driving, don't drive while listening to us because uh may cause drowsiness is on the <laughs> label to this show. But, uh, you know, obviously, I'm just going to give the plugs now. PhillyIsFlyer.com. Dan is a great writer for them. Uh, we are the podcast partner here getting bullied if you want your national hockey league perspective other than the flyers check out the hockey com they have great stuff over there you can get a nice league wide view of uh what's going on and, and you know break out of your shell a little bit there's there's hockey outside of philadelphia so. but until next week uh we're gonna have more great hockey talk next week more great flyers talk next week and uh Thanks for listening. Let's go Flyers.